Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 2, Episode 11, Last of Us, Episode 1, Review. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Mitz. And I am Steve. And this week we also have a special guest joining us, Haley Simpson, who you can see at Instagram at Haley Simpson Comedy or Twitter at Haley Comedy. She is working on several projects. One of them is the 1099 series, which you can also follow on Instagram at 1099 the series. And uh, she also has another project, Van Life, and we're really appreciative to have her here because she's a big Last of Us fan as well. Hey, I'm Haley. Hello. Hooray. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you here too. And if you haven't joined us before, each episode we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media all in an effort to better define the horror genre. However, we are going to be looking at the first episode of HBO's Last of Us series and asking a different question today, and that is, is it horrible? Which hopefully it's not, but uh, we already know the secret to that because we already watched it. And if you're listening to this... You probably have seen the second episode by now, so you might be a little bit up on us. But before we get to that, we are going to go to everyone's favorite corner. All right, welcome to the corner. Um, all right, well, today, thinking about zombie movies and zombie things and all that jazz, uh, the question is, uh, having a zombie plan or emergency plan is not uncommon, uh, but what makes your plan special or different? Or uh, what do you think are some problems with surviving an, apoc an apocalypse, zombie or otherwise, that are not commonly thought about or things that, you know, people take into account, I guess. And I guess I'll, I'll go first. Um, so the thing that came to my mind for this, like, I, I don't know that I have any, like, special, like, plan zombie plans that people haven't thought of before because i don't know there's so many people have thought of so many things out there that uh, i'm sure you know i don't have anything super special to bring to the game the one thing is though that my wife is diabetic so that's a big uh i don't know thing to take into account so like you know thing one in any sort of emergency is making sure that insulin is secured as best as possible and yeah, so that that's the thing I guess that came to my mind for the, all of that. I don't know if I have anything really unique to say about a zombie plan. I think probably the most basic kind of thing is try to get away from people as much as you can, but also get supplies and think of places with supplies that maybe not as many people would think of or the kinds of supplies that not many people would think of. So that would be it. You know, I've read all the zombie books, like the zombie survival guide and world war Z and all kinds of zombie movies and things like that. So stuff like getting guns with easily available ammo, like 22s or nine millimeters or riding a bike around to save on fuel, things like that, or, uh, kind of basics I think that would be valuable for any situation that's apocalyptic uh, maybe not even just zombies um, but when thinking about a unique problem with the zombie apocalypse something that always uh, comes into my mind uh, whenever I'm watching zombie movies 
is how bad everybody must smell and just how bad the whole world smells all the time. And then like people are like just banging away all smelly and like going down on each other in the zombie apocalypse. So I think a challenge would be <laughs> would be just not being so smelly and gross all the time when you're going to bang each other because it's the end of the world, you know? Maybe it they don't think about point. it because it's the end of the world. But like I definitely am going to pack some bars of soap in my zombie survival guide. So there you go. That's a good call. For me, something that Matt and I talked about, um, I don't know why I thought this would be an issue, but for me, I was just worried about how people are going to find clothes and food after 20 years of a zombie apocalypse. Because, you know, in the first few years, it's going to be like mass robbery of stores and stuff. But after a certain point, you know, there's only so much mass-produced clothes, I guess. But but then again, there's a lot of clothes in the world. And these people probably don't change that much, so. I don't know, I feel like getting a hold of, like, just basic necessities like that, even though there's people that can probably sew and stuff, it doesn't seem like... I mean, like, the clothes that they're wearing in The Last of Us is pretty good quality for being in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, so. I don't know, I'd be worried about that and also just food like there's no more mass production mass farms or anything like that so i feel like like food other than like things that you hunted and gathered would be hard to come by as for my escape plan i don't have one uh hide in a corner cry is my number one escape plan (laughs) i forgot to mention one other thing is if it's fast zombies my escape plan is just shoot myself so. <laughs> oh, you just stole mine. <laughs> it's a good plan. I like it. I approve I approve of your plan. Thank you. My zombie apocalypse plan is just death. Um it used to be when I was young and spry, I'll run away or find, you know, a good way to get to Canada cuz no one lives up there a lot. Like, I I have my Canadian citizenship, so I'll just go to the Northwest Territories where there's, like, a lot of room. Uh, but then now I'm older and have back problems, and I'm just like, nah, we're done. Well, we've had a good run. Uh, and then, like, the thing I thought about that no one really thinks, or I think no one really thinks about in a zombie apocalypse is, like, which hobbies reign supreme in the world of the apocalypse? Like, video games go away, right? Maybe. Hey, I've got a Game Boy. I mean, like, I'm assuming there's no more internet because there's nobody to... Yeah, know. you can't just doom scroll. Thank God. <laughs> it's just doomsday. I think that's kind of where I end up at, too, just with all of that. Because I think when I was younger, I thought, like, oh, yeah, I'd be able to make it. I, I've seen all these zombie movies. I'd I'd be able to stay safe, you know, get some weapons, find a place, hold up, figure that out. But now, as I've gotten older, it's like, I'm, probably I'm going to die. And uh, <laughs> the best thing that I could probably do is be, like, the funny positive influence for a group of people that actually know how to survive the zombie apocalypse. So they'll be like, Steve's fun to have around. He's just, he's good for the atmosphere. Sure. He doesn't provide anything functional, but he's just, he's just a good time. So we'll give him some of our food until there's not enough to do that anymore. 
I bet there's like a really good place in all of these like QZs if we were in The Last of Us that have like really good improv troops. Yeah, see, there you go. Just because people still want to have entertainment and they'll miss movies and maybe it'll be fun to boo us while we're in the, you know, performing in front of them. I don't know. What does stand-up comedy look like? I was just going to say maybe they'll want a guy who can, like, sing some of the lyrics to songs and then replace those lyrics with lyrics they make up. And then you can get Mm. in the group that way. I could do that. I could bring that to the table. That would be great. Who wants to hear almost a rendition of a song that you liked? And infuriatingly so, because you'll wish I was singing the right lyrics already. That could be the thing I bring to the table. You're going to need to audition, I think. It'll be a hard road, but I'm willing to travel that path so that I can have whatever passes for food in the zombie apocalypse. Follow-up question for all that. In thinking about this, I was thinking about, okay, if I were feeling like I could possibly survive and um, like, okay, where would I want to survive or where could I? Is it better to uh, go to a place that has a climate that's uh, pretty moderate? You know, you don't have to deal with a lot of weather conditions. It doesn't get super hot. doesn't get super cold. Like that was my initial thought was like, that seems like, like, you know, I don't know southern california or something where like it's always like 80 degrees and you know 70 to 80 degrees and uh, but then like my secondary thought to that was but maybe everybody's going to want to be in those type of areas so is it better to be in a harsher environment that will be less less desirable you'll have less competition in an area like that what do you guys think well Depending on the kind of zombies, there's the obvious advantage of the zombies could freeze during the winter, right? So I think if it's those kind of zombies, definitely heading towards colder climbs. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of makes me think about just offhand. um, So there's this, uh, I think it's Sentinel Island is what it's called. It's an island that's off the coast of india or i guess more properly off the coast of an island off the coast of india but that it's got this tribe there that we've just called the sentinelese because we've never really had any good contact with them like there's been people that have dropped stuff off to them but basically they're still living in the era where they're you know wearing loincloths and throwing spears and having bows and arrows and they're just basically like thousands of years back as far as our evolution as society goes and i think of a group like that that would probably just not even know that there was a zombie apocalypse like we'd all be running around like oh society's collapsed and they're just business as usual with no idea that anything happened anywhere else and that would just be so weird and i we're probably dealing with that as far as the pandemic we've just come off of you know yeah that's true that's interesting to think about would you go to an island then? I mean, I know that's not necessarily what you were getting at, but do you get, do you think an island would be a good place to go? I think it could be. I think, like you said, I think a lot of people would have that same idea, and then you'd want to choose some place that would actually have the resources for you to survive off of, or at least that you'd understand how to use the resources available to you. I, I'm going to say vote up another another vote for Canada here. 
Because, like, there's the Queen's Islands, and they're all just a series of islands where not a lot of people live, so... I have a Canadian citizenship. Let's just all go in a van or a bus. Will that matter when it's a zombie apocalypse? At the beginning, yes. At the end, no. There's In every zombie movie, there's always, like, some weird paramilitary group that's like takes over at the beginning and they're going to be checking citizenship that's true what if we are the military group you know Mm. Mm -hmm. you can't Mm -hmm. if you can't beat them join them you know that's what i'm saying we'll be like look at us look at us we are the captain now i mean two of us are dying (laughs) yeah i was planning on dying that was my plan i have a new plan you know those uh you know those youtube videos where somebody puts like a hundred t-shirts on that's what i'm gonna do (laughs) (laughs) i have completely immobilized myself but you ain't biting through that (laughs) i love it it's probably more effective than the thousand eyelashes that i put on yeah that'd probably be more effective than the eyelashes unless the (laughs) zombies are really wooed by eyelashes well that was good in the corner (laughs) and now We'll leave Joe's Get to Know You corner and head to the main event where we're going to be talking about HBO's Last of Us series, of which, as I said, the first episode, that's what we've seen so far. By the time this releases, there will be another episode, uh, so you may have seen more of it than we have. But uh, to give you a little bit of background, if you aren't familiar with it, The Last of Us is based on a game that is by Naughty Dog Studio of the same name that was released back in 2013. And uh, Naughty Dog has also produced uh, Crash Bandicoot and Uncharted, which uh, Crash Bandicoot, I know that, uh, was it Mitz, aren't your cats named after characters from No, this? mine are Banjo-Kazooie. Dang it, I got it wrong. <laughs> so close. I get those games confused all the time too, though. So anyway, uh, in terms of the show, Neil Druckmann is one of the showrunners for the Last of Us HBO series. He's also the co-president of Naughty Dog. He had previously worked as a designer on the Uncharted series, and uh, he has served as creative director for The Last of Us Games. Uh, the original game itself was his inspiration. It grew out of a love of things like the for the video game Ico and the Night of the Living Dead film and uh, the character of John Hardigan from Sin City. And so... Uh, The Last of Us series, so far as I'm aware, is his first foray into working on a TV series. And so he was able to connect up with Craig Mazin, who is also a big Last of Us fan. And he had previously worked as a writer on a couple of the Scary Movies series and the Hangover series. But his big claim to fame that got him to be able to work on The Last of Us for HBO was working on Chernobyl which, as I understand, he wrote all of the episodes. I haven't seen Chernobyl. Have any of you guys seen that one? I did see Chernobyl. There's a lot of penises in it. Nice. Wow. A surprising amount of penises. And elephant foots? Some elephant penises. No, elephant foots are in it too, but yes. Well, that's fun. Now I know where to go to see penises and about a nuclear meltdown. And you have everything all in the same place. So that's good to know. And then uh, for this particular episode of The Last of Us that we saw for episode one, that was directed by Craig Mazin, and it was written by both Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. For the back of the box description for the show, The Last of Us takes place 20 years after modern civilization has been destroyed. 
In this action-adventure series, Joel, played by Pedro Pascal, a hardened survivor, is hired to smuggle Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, a 14-year-old girl out of an oppressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal and heartbreaking journey as they traverse the U.S. and depend on each other for survival. So before we get into spoilers, so we can give everybody a brief moment to say spoiler-free how they feel about the show, um, what do you think? Last of Us, is it horrible? Is it good? How do we feel about it? Um, I say not horrible. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it was really good. It touched uh, really well on the things that you'd expect to see in the adaptation. Like it had a kind of stuck to the game but then also uh added some new exciting things and interest so yeah i liked it i liked it a lot definitely not horrible really good i really liked it too yeah definitely not horrible it was it was really good i enjoyed a lot of things about it um there was some things i wasn't so crazy about I and mean, we're still getting started with it but i think that uh it's it's a really good start and some of the changes they made i can kind of understand why they would do that so i don't know i'm excited to see what happens next i am also going to say that it was not horrible uh really thoroughly enjoyed most of it all right. Well, then we will head into a little bit more of review the whole thing. So spoiler warning from this point on. So that's both for the TV series and anything that's happened in the video games is also fair game to discuss. So if you want to check those things out before hearing our spoiler review, then, you know, go ahead and turn it off now and then come back. Definitely come back, though, because we'd miss you if you didn't come back. So, uh, before we get into how we felt about the whole thing, I kind of wanted to see what was everyone's previous relationship to The Last of Us series. Did you play the games before? Uh, how much did you know about the series? I have played The Last of Us uh, religiously, I feel like, for about 10 years since it's been released. Uh, I think I, I don't know if I introduced Steve to it, did I? Not quite. Um, I had another friend introduce me to it, actually. So sorry, you you weren't first on that front. You can edit this out. You can just say yes, Steve. No, we don't tell lies, Haley. We don't tell lies on this podcast. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, well, yeah. So I have played it a lot. I probably play the first one maybe once a year. And uh, part two, I, I don't know if we're talking about it, but I... Uh, also played part two quite religiously as well. I love the uh, story. I love the game. I love the gameplay. And, you know, I also interviewed for a project they were doing once. Okay, I was kind of curious if you could talk about that or felt like you could. But yeah, if you can tell us anything about that, go for it. Um, I mean, I didn't get the job. <laughs> so just, yeah, that. Uh, no, I interviewed for a... I think it's a project that's already coming out anyway, and they've already uh, talked about it. It's the multiplayer game that's coming out. Uh, I ended up getting through a couple interviews and then just, you know, not making it. But there's always the future. Yeah, things could change. Yeah. All right. Well, my um, relationship with Last of Us up to this point is 
kind of weird because it seems like a game I should love and not that I don't, but like I haven't actually played through either of the games uh, fully. I've touched on them a little bit, but I was at the time and for a long time mad at, I'm not sure, whoever decided to make it a PlayStation exclusive, if that was Naughty Dog or Sony or whoever, I was mad at them for, you know, you know, needlessly, I was needlessly defiant. Um, so I didn't play it out of principle for some reason. I don't know. It was dumb. Um, but, uh, cause it should be a game that I, I love. I, it's got a lot of the hallmarks of the games that I generally play and that I generally enjoy, but I haven't up to this point. Um, and I'm really excited for the first one to be coming out on PC. Uh, in a couple months, because I'll definitely buy that, and I'll definitely play it a bunch, I'm sure. And hopefully that that'll happen with the second one as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so up to this point, I hadn't played the game. I've watched others play it, uh, both of them, for the most part. And I, I did play, I guess, the first little bit of the first game, but that's about it for me. Uh, I played through about half of the first game. It wasn't really, the gameplay itself wasn't really for me as far as, I'm not really big on stealth games, but I really enjoyed the story and I've watched uh, a bunch of streamers play the whole thing through uh, just so that I could enjoy the story of it. So I've probably watched the whole game through three or four times. I have not played it, nor have I watched a full playthrough, so there will be spoilers in this episode for me, but that's okay. Um, I seem like I, it seems like a game I would love. I love uh, story games, and I have seen snippets of it on Twitch as well. There were some scenes, especially the scene at the very beginning of episode one, where the gang is like driving and the people are attacking, I guess, and the plane crashes. Uh. That definitely, I re- definitely recognize that scene from the game, watching it, but I haven't played it, so. I'm very interested to play it now, because I really, really like the first episode. Yeah, my first introduction to it is uh, my, at the time, brother-in-law, actually, he had played it through and really liked it, and he was kind of like, you need to play this, and I didn't have a PlayStation 3, so he would bring it to any family gathering and be like, okay, you're going to play more of it now and sort of push me to play through the whole thing. And I'm glad he did. I really enjoyed it. And then later got a PS4 and I've played it a few times through on there. I've played the last of us two one time through Haley. And I actually played that together, switching the controller off during the whole experience. And I watched. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very like family moment. Yeah. It was nice. And it was kind of trade-off and that it was, I mean, so I sort of played slash watched all of the second game, but I've been replaying the first game in preparation for all of this. So I was kind of like, well, I'll have to get the second game and, and play through it again now solo and see how I feel about it, I guess. I should say I almost convinced my non-gamer girlfriend to finally pick up a controller and start playing it. And it was just a real proud moment for me. (laughs) You know, and that's kind of funny, too, because um, I guess that's a good lead into at least one of the things about this is I haven't seen a lot of backlash or anger in regard to this concept. 
but at least one of the things that I've seen a little bit of out there is there's some arguments that adapting The Last of Us undercuts the medium of video games, and that the idea is that The Last of Us showcases aspects of storytelling that video games do better than film, which is primarily immersion. So if you did play the games, do you feel like the HBO series is lacking in that area? Or do you feel like it's just, it's okay that it's it's different? Is this something, is this an adaptation that you feel like should have been made? I have conflicting feelings on this because uh, part of the Last of Us uh, game is these decisions that you have to make and also the exploration of it make it the game that it is i think i think the 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 story is only part of why the last of us is such a great piece of art um so in saying that having the expansion of the hbo series is great and i love seeing um Parts of the world that you didn't get to see, like the radio guy, like I didn't even think about that. That was a really cool, um, small little thing that I, you don't get to see that in the game at all. Um, so I have conflicting feelings about it. I will say I, as a summary of that, I'm just enjoying having more Last of Us content. So is, I, I guess the the idea of being kind of upset about this is, it reminds me of... Uh, just like book adaptations and where like books have so much more content and uh, you know film or series adaptations always seem to not quite hit the mark on a lot of that stuff and not saying that this one doesn't um, but I guess like I, I, I don't know is it different for like taking a video game I think there's maybe a little bit of a difference because I think video games do give you kind of the option to like put your feet into a character more than a book does because the book's not you know interactive I guess but I I don't feel like the uh, having not played the game so you know take that for what it's worth but I don't feel like this is doing a bad job so far I did play the first bit of the game and it seems close to close to it at least so I think I agree with Joe about how, uh, like, comparing it to a book adaptation to a movie, uh, I think that there are definitely ways that you can sort of build on a storyline when you're taking it from a game to a TV show, because in the video game, you might spend two hours on a sequence where you're trying to stealth past some clickers and you might die a few times and you might, but like when you move that into the medium of television, uh, you can just kind of portray this really cool sort of action sequence. And then you also then have the opportunity to tell more story and expand upon the characters and give uh, more moments. So I think that they have the opportunity to give more good story that's just going to add to the lore of The Last of Us. Uh, that's kind of a slippery slope because they can easily completely fuck that up and hurt things. But if they, it seems like they're really respecting the content that they have. And I think maybe the one of the reasons that this 
will work a little bit better than some other game adaptations is because there is such a good baseline story that they have to work with and build off of. I can kind of see, at least for some mediums, because every every medium of storytelling has advantages and disadvantages. And so adapting one piece of medium media to another, you know, whether it's taking a video game to a TV series or a movie to a book or, you know, a comic to a video game, whatever you're doing, there's always going to be strengths and weaknesses for each of those forms of storytelling. So there's going to be some things lost and some things gained. So I think that I can understand the concern that people are saying, hey, we want them to come to the video game. And if you give them a TV series, then they're not going to come to the video game. And I know that there are some people where that's true, right? They don't want to play the video game. They're not going to try the video game and they weren't going to do that anyway. So the TV show being there, I don't think is losing fans for the video game, if that's the concern that some people have out there. I think, if anything, it'll bring more people to the game is usually what you end up doing is because there's a lot of people out there that are just like, it's easy to access the source material, so I'm going to go visit it. So I don't think that making a TV series is going to lessen things for the video game or it's going to take away from the video game because it's always going to be there and you can always play it. So I don't know. I'm more excited to see yeah what things they do different and how they how they can mix things up a little bit and then i guess i wanted to also see as far as adapting a piece of media what do you feel like are the most important factors in doing that uh, when making adaptation do you think it's more important to match the plot points exactly or just to get the feel of the source material right or can you do one without the other what are your thoughts I think in this case with video games where there hasn't, and, you know, excuse me for the Resident Evil fans here, I don't think there has been a, an amazing video game adaption to film in any way. Um, and so I think The Last of Us has to almost lay groundwork in a sense, for this to go forward. So what they're doing, I think, is staying as close to the uh, plot as or as as they can so that they can uh, lay this groundwork. It might be that they have most of the series be the video game and there'll be some um, maybe episodes where they... Um, diverge from that, but they're ultimately going to stay in the plot. So I think that's what's important for this show specifically, is staying with the plot. That plot is going to what the other side of this was just the emotional part of it. I think the emotion, which is the connection between Joel and uh, Ellie, I think the emotional side of that is super important. So laying the groundwork of the plot and staking with the plot and also the emotional part of Joel and Ellie's emotional part is the most important. It's funny that you brought up Resident Evil because I was actually also going to bring that up in this answer. <laughs> um, I think that I think to make a good adaptation for a game or a book or anything where there's already this 
already like an established universe, and in this case it's a post-apocalyptic world, you have to follow the plot almost exactly if you want people to understand what's going on. Um, Because a a company like HBO, they're not making shows for The Last of Us fans. They're making shows for The Last of Us fans and thousands of other people who might be interested in watching the show. So you're going to have tons of people that have no backstory. And I can tell you, (laughs) that's like where game or where game movie adaptations like resident the most recent recent resident evil movie got it totally wrong because i have not played resident evil i went into that movie not knowing anything other than the main characters raccoon city and the elemental p virus or whatever and i could tell you when i walked out of the movie theater (laughs) i still didn't know what was going on because they assumed that everyone watching would know, already know what was going on and already be familiar with these characters and with the plot and the whole universe. And I was not, and I felt lost. And I think that The Last of Us is doing a really good job at giving you the exposition um, and really explicit like scenes. And I think that's what a good adaptation needs in order to make it successful beyond the audience it already has, you know? See, I like what you said there because I think part of the problem with Resident Evil movies is when you really get down to the nitty gritty of what is in Resident Evil video games, I, having played so many of them at this point, feel that most of them actually don't have a ton of good story to them. Like maybe aside from like something like Resident Evil 7, uh, but like... Resident Evil 2, for example, which is the one that was most recently adapted, it was like, there's not a ton of story there. You're kind of just dropped into the situation. There's some very light cut scenes. There's not a ton to go off of. So I feel like where The Last of Us is going to succeed is that there is, that game was designed to really tell a story and give this beautiful narrative. So I agree with what Mitz is saying also about how you kind of have to follow a lot of the major plot points when you have a game that's so beloved. And because this game did such a good job telling that story in the game, uh, you're going to hold the fans of the game and you're going to hold new people because the game already has that really good story framework that somebody new can come in and watch so i think those are really important things when you're adapting a big giant franchise like this uh but also you can make changes that help the plot make more sense so just a quick spoiler for game of thrones if you didn't the game of thrones books kind of put sansa stark in this kind of wild ride where she's all over the place and all over the kingdom And you're kind of not really sure how she's going to end up where she needs to be. Where I think the show kind of really made her story a lot more concise and made it make more sense. So I think they have the opportunity with The Last of Us to do little things like that. I think keeping the feel is definitely important and maybe more important than hitting all of the exact story beats. And, you know, as everyone has has already said, I think, and as Haley has also said, is just like the core of the story of the last of us is the relationship between Joel and Ellie. And I feel like they're 
trying hard to get that right. And then with the creative director behind The Last of Us also basically co-show running this, I think is definitely keeping it in the right area that it needs to be. So I think that this adaptation, it seems like it's in good hands. So, I mean, there might be moments and things that don't work, but I think that ultimately it's going to feel like The Last of Us when it's all said and done. I think that's, uh, I, I agree with what everybody said and like don't have a lot to add, but I just was, it's funny to me with adaptations, like I don't know, I don't quite understand some of the motivation for making big changes, like little things, sure, but like if you get to the point in a, with a story, be it a book, be it a game, be it whatever, like you, you kind of already proved the concept of the story or so if you get to the point where you're making an adaptation, you've proved the concept of the story that it's a good story and that there's a fan base and that uh, people like it. And then they come in and are like, okay, people liked this. We're going to like show it to people who haven't seen this before. So let's uh, completely change it. You know, let's switch it up and, you know, just shuffle the deck and see what happens. And I feel like that's, I don't know where a bunch of adaptations end up going with it, which is weird to me. Like why make so many changes when you already have the proven concept? But I don't know. What do I know? It's because exec movie executives aren't nerds, Joe. How dare you? <laughs> I suppose so. I can understand wanting to put your stamp on it too creatively. Like if you're just sitting there and saying like, okay, you laid it all out and I'm just going to do a frame for frame reshoot of the whole thing. Like I get that that creatively would probably be very, very boring to try and get someone on board to do that. But at the same time too, like, I don't know if, yeah, if you're just basically coming up with your entire other story and then just slapping somebody else's label on it, then I don't see what the point of that is either. Cause you're setting yourself up for failure. Cause you know that the fans of it aren't going to be happy with it anyway. So I don't know. And it's funny how much of a beating resident evil took during this conversation. And I agree. I <laughs> love the six resident evil movies previously made but not because they're good <laughs> or that they're a good adaptation of the series it's just they're just fun b movies with a tier budgets that's what they are yeah for sure i'm in the same boat on the resident evil stuff <laughs> um but i guess like on the like note of like get wanting to put your own stamp on the thing like if you're that type of person maybe you're not the person to be directing this type of project go write your own story <laughs> i guess is my thought on that yeah that's fair let's let's get into the actual meat of the show here so the emotional core of the original game is absolutely the relationship between joel and ellie how do you feel about the chemistry between Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey? Did that work as the emotional core of this series? Is that a little weaker than it was in the game? How did that come across? So the emotional core of the game is obviously Joel and Ellie, but I would make a little bit of an argument to contradict myself a little bit, that it's actually the relationship between Joel, Ellie and Joel's daughter, Sarah. And um, I think the chemistry between uh, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey's uh, portrayal of Joel and Ellie works 
pretty decently because of the way that they set Sarah up in the first, I think it's like half hour to 40 minutes of the the pilot episode. Uh, So I really did enjoy that. It's hard to compare them because I feel like Pedro Pascal's Joel is a little bit uh, different than the Joel in Last of Us, uh, the game. And, but I feel like Bella Ramsey did a very good job betraying uh, Ellie from the game. So I think I'm a little bit of a disadvantage because I was going into it feeling like, oh, I want to have the the emotional response to Joel and Ellie in the game as I want in the show. And I didn't get that. And I think that's, a, I don't know if that's a detriment to the show. So I'm curious to hear what everybody else says. I I know for me, I initially had a little bit of a hard time not seeing Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, which I think is funny because you don't really (laughs) see him as the Mandalorian (laughs) in the Mandalorian. But like I was hearing his voice and seeing his mannerisms and it was just like it kind of felt like uh, just watching the Mandalorian with his suit off initially. So I I don't I don't think that it's a bad performance. It just maybe it's going to take me a little bit of time to separate that because he's in this other super iconic role that I love. I think they're doing well so far. I feel like I don't really know. And I haven't seen enough in the show to judge their chemistry yet. But so far, I like them together. But I also haven't seen or played through the game. So I don't really have anything to compare it to. As someone who hasn't played the games, I guess, how did you like those characters? Were either of those your favorite in the show? Were there other characters you liked better? Are you interested in what's going to be happening with them next? Well, I know a little bit about Ellie based on like things I've seen and spoilers that I've read. So I'm definitely interested to see more from her. But yeah, both of them. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to watch more. I definitely will be watching more. I think one of the moments I, I didn't feel like I guess I can't comment on how it's doing compared to the games too much. Uh, but I guess one of the moments that like kind of like towards the end when like the Fedra guy uh, points the gun up at Ellie and Joel is like, oh, no, we're not going down this road again. And it just goes a little berserk on him. Like, I guess that was the moment for me that was like, okay, so the, these characters are now linked. Like they're emotionally linked, or at least in Joel's mind, like he's, he's chosen the protector role for her, I guess that's so, but that was right at the end of the episode. So I guess I'm, I'm excited to see where that relationship and chemistry goes moving forward at this point now. Yeah, I think in terms of the way the first episode is plotted, that's a good sort of um, statement of intent for the show going forward. If you weren't sure, if you were coming to it knowing nothing about the show, then it's kind of like, okay, he lost his daughter. He's kind of been cold and isolated. We're showing that. We're showing him throw, you know, a, a dead child on the fire. As soon as we see him in the current day, and then at the end of it, him having that moment of, 
you know, sort of surrogate seeing Ellie as his daughter. And I know a lot of people pointed this out and uh, Neil and Craig have even pointed it out in talking about this episode afterward, but just the idea of like the contrast between Sarah's reaction to Joel killing a woman to protect her at the beginning of the series. And then Ellie's reaction to Joel killing someone to protect her and how Joel and Ellie are somewhat more the same in terms of their capacity for violence and uh and that undercurrent of rage i i think that i like the portrayal of ellie quite a bit um i think that bell ramsey is like fitting right into how the character felt for me at least in the video game and you know she's compelling to watch outside of that if i hadn't played it um i feel like pedro pascal for me is maybe playing a little bit of a different character in terms of at least what I'm seeing, he feels different to me and I'm not sure if that's going to be good or bad or if it's him warming up to the role a little bit, but I felt like there were spots where it was really good. Like him and his daughter at the beginning are really good. That end moment is really good. Um, but there was other spots in it that felt a little bit wooden for me and that just weren't maybe quite getting there. Um, and maybe it's because maybe it's unfair because there's another performance to compare it to, but it just, I don't want to say it was bad. It just wasn't quite working for me. I wonder if the portrayal of Joel is like feels different just because they changed kind of the uh, way that Joel is living his life in the Boston QZ. Cause like in the game, they have him a little bit more of like a, uh, a goon to Tess and Tess being this like mastermind of a smuggler. It seems like in the game, uh, it's more more in the game that they are like have this actual um almost like mob, I guess. Uh where in the show it feels a little bit like they maybe left that behind slightly because he says like we haven't been in the tunnels for a year, where in the game they're like actively talk like going through the their smuggling routes. I guess that was one of the things I felt a little bit different about is, yeah, the relationship between Tess and Joel felt a little, I don't, I don't know, just, it's not something I think that would bother me if I was coming to the show fresh and hadn't played anything before, but having played the games before, like their relationship didn't feel quite the same. And I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just, it's just taken some getting used to, I guess. I feel like I could talk so much about their relationship just because I feel like it's the biggest change in the in the show from the from the game so far that I've noticed is this uh, in the game it just feels like I could talk about this forever. It feels like uh, in the game they're a little bit more like had a relationship, realized they have their own demons, couldn't figure it out, but still are like yeah we kind of work, but outside of a relationship, where in the show it feels a little bit more like we have found some sort of uh, relationship with each other that has a an oasis in the desert kind of feel. And then I wanted to see too, I haven't necessarily written any specific questions about this, but were there any other standout characters to you, characters you were interested in learning more about? Obviously focused a lot on Joel and Ellie as far as the questions go, but like what other characters you're kind of curious to see more of? I just, I want more of this radio man. I think he is an interesting guy. He gets to hear everybody's secrets and know everybody and hear everybody's families. And 
uh, do basically a, a, a dam of information, and I want to know everything. I was just going to say uh, Marlene seems interesting. She's very hard to read. I don't know. Again, I haven't played the games, but I don't know if she's completely, like, good, you know? She seems kind of, like, chaotic good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she definitely seems like she's got her own motives, and probably not all of them are shiny and pure. <laughs> I mean, fun fact, Marlene in the game is played by Marlene in the TV show, so you do get a little bit of uh, knowing what the video game is like. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right, well, I figured next thing we kind of address a little bit is we don't see as much of them, but I wanted to talk at least a little bit about how the infected in the world of Last of Us, how they kind of look and feel. So we haven't spent too much with them yet, but uh, I guess how did you feel about them? Do you feel like they're they're doing well to distinguish themselves from other zombies in film? Do they even need to really worry about that? How did they come across I like the the zombies in this version. I enjoy the off-the-top explanation of how they work and, like, the rules of them, which was really interesting how they made it. Uh, and I like the idea of, the like, the fungi. The problem that I had that I'm still kind of trying to work over is, like, they didn't use spores in the show. And, like, some of my favorite parts in the game are in those areas where there's a bunch of spores and you have to put a gas mask on and be a little bit more stealthy and there's like a lot more infected. Um, so the change to like these tendrils that come out of their mouth is really freaky. And I like the direct uh, terror that I get from that because uh, it was really gross and really nasty and really scary. Uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to uh, almost separate them, but I do like how scary they are, especially like the twitching of the grandma in the background. And I was like, that's horrifying. Having not really played much of the game, I, I don't know how to say like whether it or what changes really mattered, I guess, other than hearing what you're saying, Haley, and you others who have played the game. I guess for me, they felt fairly generic zombies um, with, you know, some slight differences, which I, I didn't think was a bad thing. But I didn't feel like they were too much different than just zombies, at least from what we've seen so far. What I'm excited to see is like the clickers. Uh, you get a little glimpse of that with the one that's like dead in the office. But uh, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I think the zombies just kind of looked like your standard sort of fast zombies. But yeah, there was a nice little touch that they have some sporification and fungi coming out of the mouth. It was a little bit of a way to distinguish them, but they definitely didn't do anything like groundbreaking with them, with the kind of jerky movements and that sort of thing. So uh, it just seemed like standard fast zombies other than that little bit of the fungus stuff. So that was, I guess I liked that, but it wasn't like, I'm not like excited about that more than the clickers. I think they're cool. I think they're really cool. Um, the fungus thing is... I I found it really fascinating and 
when that scene came up with the guy in the room with the spores coming out of his mouth. Oh, that I don't know. I'm just really fascinated by that, and it really creeps me out in a, in a good way. And it's kind of refreshing because I'm kind of sick of seeing like really gory zombies. So this whole like spory zombies, <laughs> like I don't know. I like it. I guess some of you have kind of already addressed this with your explanation or how you're feeling about it. But Mike, I am curious. Do you like it better when the zombies have an explanation in the universe or do you prefer without? Because obviously one of the inspirations for Neil Druckmann, he pointed out specifically for The Last of Us was Night of the Living Dead and George Romero's zombie films famously never explained where the zombies came from. They gave some ideas that the characters had sort of postulated as to where they came from, but there's never a concrete answer given. So do you feel like zombies work better without an explanation or with an explanation? I don't know if I could like say I like, do they work better? I like when I get the explanation because of, I like the science of it and like, uh, the, you know, like the, um, rabies infection in 28 days later, uh, is really interesting. I like, I like that where, uh, in this case, I think I like it cause it feels like, cause they, uh, you know how they explain like, oh, they had like all these, like it's puppeting, it's puppeting the, the host and whatnot. I like that the zombies don't feel like the big bad if, or like the people that turn into zombies are big bad. It feels like the fungi itself is the big bad for this entire series. I've I've like it either way, I guess. I like it when they when it's just like, oh, this is a thing that's happening and there's no explanation. Um I I kind of really liked how they handled it in this in this and I guess I had to have I mean, Steve had to tell me that the like opening scene uh was not in the game, so I didn't know that. Um but if uh like the opening scene with like the two scientists getting interviewed on, you know, whatever late show or whatever. Um, but like it felt so in universe that like I guess it didn't skip a beat for me and like I kind of loved how I, I just felt like it was kind of perfect like the way that the conversation went in that interview and it was like they were like you know joking about oh viruses blah 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 and like the one scientist is like oh spores like you're ridiculous why would they ever do that and then the other scientist is like yeah yeah there's no reason for that to happen unless the world gets a little bit warmer and then like everybody like kind of like goes silent and is like oh um you know just like this like some consequences of climate change that you know just aren't even thought about and like some aspects of that and i feel like that goes along with a lot of the themes of the game too uh so yeah anyways yeah, I definitely I definitely prefer stories where the uh the zomb the zombification of people is explained because it kind of takes the zombies from the realm of like fantasy into the realm of things that could actually happen. So like for example, if you have a movie about werewolves, okay, that can be scary, but we have no scientific evidence or explanation of how somebody could turn into a wolf. So it's not, the stakes are lower. It's not as intriguing, or maybe it is intriguing if you're a fantasy fan. Um, whereas if we have this explanation for 
how this might actually happen or could possibly scientifically be explained, maybe, through some kind of freak mutation or people not wearing their masks, <laughs> then it's a little bit more like realistic fiction or uh, just science fiction. But I don't know. I definitely like the explanations. It feels It feels more real and therefore the stakes feel higher. I, I've seen it done well in both ways, but I think sometimes with like a long format zombie story like this, it works a little bit better if you establish like why medically this happened or what the cause of it was, because then you can create plot lines where they try to figure out cures or how to stop it or blah, blah, blah. Uh, that was something that was kind of added, for example, like to The Walking Dead. Um, I mean, they touched on it a little bit, I guess, in the comics, but yeah, I think it, it does work a little bit better for long format, but I don't mind it either way. And I think it has to match what universe you've built, because there are so many different iterations of zombies, but like, if we're going to go back to Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones zombies are just reanimated corpses because magic exists. Whereas this is real life 2000 whatever Boston where we have no evidence of magic so we need another explanation. I think that despite, I don't know, my love of zombies, I'm not real, really a purist as far as what constitutes a zombie because I know some people will come out there and they'll be like, this isn't a zombie because they're infected because they're not dead and coming back to life. And I just... I never split hairs like that to me. Good zombie fiction's good zombie fiction, so I'll take whatever iteration you can get. It's just more or less if you can tell a good story surrounding it. I think for the zombies in The Last of Us, because the emotional core is so dependent on the idea that there might be a cure for this, then you have to have a cause for it that the audience can at least wrap their head around. So I think that this story probably it wouldn't work if like you couldn't do what they're wanting to do in this story. If they didn't have an explanation for it, I think on the whole, I tend to prefer that when there isn't one, I think that your, your writer, your director, the people creating the story, they need to know in their head what caused it, even if they never tell the audience so that they can have rules that they adhere to. So there's some consistency that you can at least pick up on, even if it's never explicitly said. So I do like that there's rules with these zombies and that that exists. And I think that this story works better with an explanation. I will say though, this is my own personal pet peeve. As Haley mentioned, one of the differences in this series versus the video game is the spore clouds. And so they're specifically referencing cordyceps, which the whole way that it works in ants as they kind of explain a little bit in the beginning is that basically it's turning them into a spore cloud emitter. So it's like, okay, I'm possessing you ant. I'm making you go someplace where you can basically die and then I can release more spores and infect more ants. So I'm kind of sitting here looking at it like, I don't know if they're going to have some reason or some explanation that they're going to do in the series to adjust things, but that was the whole way that the, you know, the infected worked in this too. 
in the game anyway, is that they would eventually emit spore clouds. One of the bosses throws spore clouds. Like it's, it's all about the spores and that's how you can contract <laughs> it. So like taking that away, what do you say is the way that you're infecting humans just by bites? Because I don't know that to me changes a lot. So I don't know. I'm willing to, of course, give it time and see what they're doing with it, but it seemed like a weird choice and I'm not sure what their reason behind feeling like that needed to happen was. I think the reason behind it was they didn't want to put gas masks on their actors for long periods of time. At least that's what I've heard so far, is that they just didn't want to hide the faces of the actors. That Yeah, that makes sense, but I was definitely going to bring up the same concern, though. Like It becomes less believable when now this thing isn't airborne. How did this become a worldwide event if it's not really airborne? Yeah, and also I have to say that would be a lot more lame if they were only affected by bites. I'm just going to say it. I thought the fungus thing was really cool. So if they don't like elaborate on that in the future, I'm going to be upset. And I think that you could get around that a bit too, because as I said, there's spoilers for the game and things coming up here. But, you know, we already know from the first episode that Ellie's been bitten and that she's okay. So, yes, you would have to block Pedro Pascal's face, but as we've mentioned previously, there's an entire series showing that you can make that work, and Ellie wouldn't have to wear a gas mask, so I just don't, I don't know. You know, it's it's them, they're making the show, they yeah. came across it, making those logistics, but I feel like they're not insurmountable issues. They were just worried that every time that Pedro Pascal put on the gas mask, he'd say something like, this is the way. <laughs> what if they got him like a mandalorian shaped gas mask definitely needs to happen and you know he could organically need to tell ellie which way to go and tell her that this is the way and then everyone at home would squee <laughs> i'm a little bit sad about the spores too because one of my favorite moments in the Last of Us game and in The Last of Us 2 is when people like really figure out that Ellie is like immune uh, is like she like stands in the there's one moment where she's just standing in the cloud and Joel's like staring at her being like, huh, I guess this kid is correct. Wow. Uh, and in the second one, when she's with spoiler alert with Dina uh, in the game and Dina's like, oh, Ellie has a cracked uh, gas mask that's when dina finds out as well and that's like a huge emotional moment too so i'm a little bit um saddened but i'm curious to see how they're going to explain it and if they don't explain it well enough i'm still gonna be sad and that's on you hbo <laughs> yeah i was thinking of that moment in the last of us too particularly because there was such an emotional resonance because you have that just spoilers for that game too. As I said, spoilers for anything last of us that's come out so far. It's all on the table is just, you know, cause you have that moment where Dean is basically like, Oh, she's done. She's dead. She's just, she has just died in front of me. And then realizing, and I'll go with her. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It kind of sucks to have to kind of lose that moment, but maybe they'll figure a way to bring it back in. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens, I guess. Because as I understand, it, season one is supposed to be the first game. Season two is supposed to be the second game. Wait, we are getting a season two? I haven't even heard of that yet. 
they haven't announced that they're that they're contracted for it or anything, but I think that I had seen because I've read a few interviews with Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin and it seemed like that was generally what their plan was going to be. Oh, my year has been made and now I have to wait, what, another two years for the second season? <sighs> <laughs> I was going to go a little bit into the diving into, I guess, the look in, of the world of The Last of Us. But a lot of it was kind of comparison, and I know not everyone's played the game. So rather than phrasing it that way, I guess what I wanted to see is just how did you feel about the world building for this and the look of the series? Uh, does Did you find that intriguing? I know one of the things that I always liked, at least about the games, is how there's this real visual focus on nature reclaiming things. But we haven't really kind of gotten that in the series just yet. So I guess... Yeah, how did you feel about the world building? How did you feel about the look of the series? So far, for me, the look is pretty, like, generic apocalypse feel to it. And I'm not too, um, I'm not too, like, I couldn't, I don't feel like I could pick The Last of Us buildings out of a lineup, I feel like. But in the game, I definitely could, because like you said, Steve, like nature reclaims so much in that game. Uh, part of the first, I think, like, hour of the game, you're walking through these, like, broken down uh, apartment buildings in Boston, and there's, like, roots climbing up over things, and it's very... Um, distinct i would say and uh in this one so far not so distinct uh so i'm curious to see when they move to different areas in the story uh how those change because uh i, I don't want to spoil for you guys who are here because it's so fun but at, at some point in time they do get to a, a very familiar place for all of us i feel like uh and i'm curious to see how they make that look i'm excited for our uh for for what's coming i guess because i agree with everything you said as far as to what my knowledge is like i i have seen a lot of you know video of last of us haven't played a lot but i've seen a lot of video i've watched a lot of i've watched you guys play it i've watched other things from it and that's one of the things that i kind of loved about the style of it is all the like nature taking back over and just how like green it is and everything and um and it just goes back to that point about like the like the opening scene with like the scientists and just being like yeah you know climate change can cause some problems and then just sort of like you know the humans kind of reap having to reap what they sow a little bit i guess I I like the look and feel of it so far. I can kind of see that where we're headed uh, in the next episode is going to be more into that like nature reclaimed part of Boston. But I think kind of a change from the game to the TV show is that they didn't really do much exploring in areas that aren't right now inhabited by survivors. So I think that's kind of why we missed some of that. Um, but I, one thing that I did really like is just uh, how, like, I've, I've had houses that have had leaks in the roof, for example, and this is why I think about it. 
but seeing how like water is destroying a lot of these places was kind of interesting to me to see that in some of the places that they were walking around how everything was like damp and yuck and uh so yeah i'm interested to see more of that and i think that they are going to provide more of the nature reclaiming things and things being really damaged by water or plant growth or whatever so i hope we get more of that yeah water can f things up real fast (laughs) (laughs) i know that from somebody who's had a flooded basement (laughs) Uh, and uh you know fun fun little tidbit about me is I used to work in in uh, insurance. And so I dealt with a lot of property and casualty stuff specifically. So homeowners policies and water damage is something I spent a lot of years explaining to people how that works and how it doesn't work because it doesn't work the way you feel like it should and the way it probably should. So that was always a frustrating thing to explain to people is like, yeah, your home policy doesn't cover water coming in from the outside unless you have special, uh, oh my goodness, I can't think of the name for it now. But anyway, special riders on your policy. And uh, then the other thing about people saying like, well, what about flood insurance? Is like, yeah, well, that can cover it, but it has to be like damage a foot and a half above the ground. And you have a 10% deductible. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So insurance stuff, yay, water damage, fun things. Gross. Yeah, flooding, Gross. flooding is a fart, and insurance companies are cheating whores. <laughs> <laughs> I always like take a look at those like kind of post-apocalyptic movies to see how badly just the general homes are, and I think any home if left for you know five to ten years, even maybe let's say best case scenario, you had a ro- a new roof on that. Uh, right before the apocalypse. I mean, you're talking about 20 years. Most everything's going to be water damaged in most cases everywhere. So I'd just like to see that and how they kind of paid attention to that. Part of... Uh, going back to like the world building, part of the thing that I kind of missed, and I think I touched on this before, was like when they had... Joel and Tess had like a, a mob type thing going on where it was like... People tend to group up. I feel like that's human nature. They just group up. We have friends. We have family. And and in the apocalypse, the Last of Us world is kind of based on which people kind of group up. Uh, and actually, that's what their multiplayer game is kind of about. It's, it's called Last of Us Factions. Uh, but yeah, like we we kind of miss that a little bit in the TV show where we don't have... Tess and Joel's little faction. We don't have uh, Robert's kind of side faction. I think part of the world building is that we are missing that slightly in the show. Yeah, I could see that because in the video game side of it, you spend a lot more time with it because basically all of that's like training mode, right? Like, hey, this is how to play the game and we're going to have you show you how to do it here where you're against human enemies and the stakes are a bit lower. So you spend more time with all of that, whereas the the show does rush through that a bit. And I can understand it in a way because they want to get to what the core of the series is and they kind of do that by encapsulating in that moment outside the wall. But it does mean you sacrifice a lot of experience with those characters inside the wall before getting there. I, I'm not sure what you could do trade-off-wise to kind of really fix that. 
I think we'll end up fixing it by coming across all these little groups that we see in the game. Unless they've fully taken them out, uh, we'll probably see, you know, all the different groups as we go through our journey. Yeah, with the long format, I think they have the opportunity to uh, flesh out some other characters a little bit more as they're traveling. So, yeah, maybe we will see more. I know that they at least had one announcement for casting, which was uh, Melanie uh, Linsky. I think that's how you say her name. And she is really good actress. Um, if you haven't seen Yellow Jackets, she just is killing it over there in Yellow Jackets. But anyway, she's, I guess, going to be playing, from what I understand, a leader of one of these sort of bandit factions that you end up meeting later in the story. And so I, I'm excited to see her in it because she's just... She's just great. I do love her. She's great in I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Is that what it is? Yeah. All right. Well, kind of looking at, um, you know, just the fact that the legacy of zombies fiction in general, and of course, looking at the games, I wanted to see if there was any references that people did notice to other zombie media or just references to the game nods to things there. Uh, anything, did anything stand out to anybody? I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily catch anything big, or at least nothing that felt like Easter eggy to me. I think it just referenced itself a lot. Like the movie that she steals from the Adlers, the, um, was it something in the Viper? Uh, two. That's like one of the game, one of the movies that Ellie talks about watching with Joel in the uh, second game. I would just bring up, and I saw. I can't completely take credit for it, but I saw some other people talking uh, how the opening sequence, basically, uh, especially when they're in the car, is kind of shot for shot from the video game, except that instead of getting kind of hit by the truck there's like the misdirection of okay there's a plane crash um so i thought that was kind of almost sort of like an easter egg for the video game fans where you're expecting this one thing to happen but then you get the misdirection of it sort of letting the the fans of the series previously know that there's going to be a couple zigs and zags and here we are with one out of the gate did exactly. the plane crash in the game? Because I don't... I remember watching that scene and like someone played the game, but I don't remember that part. There was no plane crash in the intro in that section of it. If there's somewhere else, maybe I'm forgetting it. But yeah, in that section, it was it was all people in cars. Yeah, I, I remember watching that. It would the explosion I think you're thinking about is the a car hits a gas station and explodes. Yeah, right in front that of them. That sounds familiar. Yeah, and it was daytime, wasn't it? Not nighttime. No, it was at night. No, it was night. I just need to play the game. That's what we've learned from this. <laughs> get it right, Mitz. Come on. I am fully prepared to get it right after I play the game. <laughs> Well, that was one of my next questions, too, is if you haven't played the games, does this make you excited to play them? Um, obviously, as we've talked about with Joe already, it was more that it wasn't on PC before. That was the big holdup. But yeah, that's, <laughs> are you excited to play them if you hadn't before? 
Yeah, I'm definitely excited to play. Yeah, I always kind of plan to get around to playing it, and I even, you know, took a swing at it once or twice, uh, borrowing Steve's PlayStation, but never uh, got to it. So I am, I'm very excited to have it on computer and continue my needless feud with PlayStation, I guess. <laughs> Sony seems like a pretty good company to have a feud with if you're going to have one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think I'm probably just going to stick to enjoying other people watching it. There's some games that I uh, don't enjoy playing as much myself, but still like to watch others play, so that's probably where I'm going to sit with it. I think I'll play the game, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good, good. I was worried about that. Yeah. You know, I think I'll give it a chance for once. Maybe you can stream it, and then I'll watch it. The streaming will just be me crying openly over my PlayStation controller for the first 10 minutes, and then going the perimeter around every single level looking for every single thing. So I think you could say it's pretty entertaining. There's a market (laughs) for that. That's seriously me in one of these survival horror games, too, is just constantly, like, searching the boundaries of everything. It's like, oh, they don't want me to go this way, so I'm going this way and seeing what's there. And then never using any of your supplies because you're afraid you're going to run out of them and never find them again. Seriously, I've got a full complement of ammo and everything right now, and then I just beat everyone to death with fists and 2x4s that I find. 2x4s with not... with scissors yes it's like amassing every bit of ammo in resident evil 2 and then knife killing all the g mutants (laughs) (laughs) for real (laughs) that is my play style for survival horror is just having like vast stocks of resources that i'll never use in favor of the resources resourceless kills i think i gained that skill when you and i played the last of us 2 and I was like, well, I got to make sure Steve has items. And then I would not <laughs> use anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like me going and collecting things. And then invariably when I handed the controller over to you, that would be like the heavy, intense fight part. And then I'd see like all the resources deplete because you had to. <laughs> and it was just like, I worked so hard to find all of that. Like, sorry, Steve, go find me all of the scissors again. <laughs> All right. Well, overall, I think we've already kind of covered, but just do you like the show? Do you are you going to continue watching it? I will continue to watch it and hope that they replace the spores with something really good. Yeah, I'm con- I'm excited to uh continue watching it as well. I, I don't know, it seems up my alley, so hopefully it will hopefully it will be good. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Hopefully they can give Ellie the arc that she deserves with all this stuff. I like seeing a child actor kind of grow up on a show. And I was disappointed with how they did Carl in The Walking Dead. So hopefully they they can. They did him dirty. Yeah, they did him real dirty. Dirty. hopefully, Hopefully they can do Ellie better. I would like to keep watching the show, and I would like to play the game. So, yes and yes.
Same. I really enjoy this and I'm definitely going to keep watching it and it's got me replaying the first game and I'm sure I'll continue right on through too. So yeah, I think it's been good. Any other thoughts about the show at all that you wanted to make sure we talked about before we close out? If we don't get giraffes in this at all, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, I they've got to keep some of those iconic parts, and that's definitely one of them that's got to stay. And the only prop, the only appropriate reaction when that happens is to be, ooh, giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious to see how they're going to do uh, for those who have played the game, the whole hotel sequence where you have to start the generator up because that's the most terrifying part of the game. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to translate that. I kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, that'll be cool. It'll be cool to see how that plays out. And how they're going to translate poop spores and, and the big guy throwing poop spores. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that will be interesting, too. It'll be fun to see the next episode where hopefully we will get more of a, like, in-your-face view of the clickers and, and really delve into the infected. I'm excited to see all of that in live action. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think that'll about do it. Thanks very much, Haley, for joining us for this episode. Uh, do you want to plug anything before we, we call it a day? Um, you know, just follow me on Instagram because I need the approval from people I don't know. So, uh, Haley Simpson comedy <laughs> on Instagram and on Twitter, Haley comedy. And, uh, if you can just send me a carrier pigeon with your love and affection, I would appreciate that. All right. Sounds good. And then as for the rest of us, uh, you can catch us in two weeks on our next episode of visit horror, where we will be Going back to talking about whether or not things are horror, we're going to be discussing Silence of the Lambs, so join us back here for that. Thanks very much. I have been Steve. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Mitz. And I'm Haley. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Insert clicker noise. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Or did you just want to say hi? If so, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Is It Horror Pod, or you can email us at Is It Horror Podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself Is It Horror?